You're listening to Tahlequah United Methodist Church's Sermon Podcast. We are a church that strives to have open hearts, open minds, and open doors as we make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. And one of the ways that we do that is offering up our sermons for you to listen to. And so we hope you connect with us online at TahlequahUMC.org or on our social media at TahlequahUMC. So enjoy today's message. Hear these words. Revelations 1, 4 through 8. The words are on the screen, right? No? Man, I love Pastor Matt sometimes, I'm telling you. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Ashley. Thank you. I mean, I've got Bibles, but, you know, they're not right here. Thank you. Comes from the book of Revelations, chapter 1, verses 4 through 8. John to the seven churches that are in Asia. Grace and peace to you from the one who is and was and is coming. And from the seven spirits that are before God's throne. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from among the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth. To the one who loves us and freed us from our sins by his blood, who made us a kingdom priest to his God and Father, to him be glory and power forever and always. Amen. Look. He is coming with the clouds. Every eye will see him, including those who pierced him, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him. This is so. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, the one who is and was and is coming, the Almighty. This is the word of the Lord for the people of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Ashley. So when Pastor Matt talked to me about uh, this Sunday, he said, you want to do Wesley Sunday on the 28th of April? And I said, yes, sure. He said, you want to look at it? And I said, nope, April 28th sounds good. That was in August. So I'm thinking, April the 28th? Sounds great. Then a couple of months ago, he said, "Uh, what are you preaching on? I said, well, I'm going to be preaching supporting the Wesley and all of telling stories of the Wesley. And he said, preach on uh, Revelations. I said, oh, no. <laughs> and he said, no, seriously. He said, it's going to be really simple. I said, no, it's not. He said, no, listen. He said, I just want you to think about it. He said, you can stand up there and say, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. God loves you, and so do I. Have a great day. <laughs> and I said, well... Okay, and so last night he, he is at Lay Servant School out at Camp Egan. He is leading all of the worship for all of the trainees. And so last night he said, I called my number one partner. I better call my number two partner. How's it going? I said, it's okay. He said, uh, you got your sermon ready? I said, yep, I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And he was silent for a minute. <laughs> 
He said, I was joking. <laughs> and I said, I'm, it's okay. He said, let them know that I'm praying for them and that I know you'll do great. So I want to share a story with you. When I was a child growing up in Pahaska, I was For about two years, I had constant throat infections, ear infections, and several times respiratory infections that would leave me hospitalized. It was a reality of life that lived with my family in an almost tangible way, like an uninvited guest or a troublesome distant relative. It was just part of life that I was going to get sick. It never mattered if it was spring or summer, fall or winter. The infections were a constant companion in my life. I had learned at a very early age when we were in the car and headed to the pediatrician, Dr. Owen. And when we would make that turn by the hospital in Bartlesville, I would start screaming and wailing and kicking and crying because I knew that another shot was about to happen. I took my mother last year to an appointment at her cardiologist, and as I turned that corner, chills went up my back. I said, man, I said, this is, this is too close to that pediatrician over there. And mother said, you are 47 years old. You've got to move on past that. <laughs> but it was terrible. And after the shot, I was always made to wait for at least 35 to 40 minutes, 40, 30 to 45 minutes to make sure I was okay before I could go home. And during this time, my mother would sit up on the patient table and begin to talk in a very low voice, hold me close, and she would talk slowly and low, telling me to listen, and then she would sing. As I would get my breath and slowly, slowly stop crying, she would sing in a very quiet, low voice, You are my sunshine. These moments were like little apocalypses or little revelations in which, through the love of my mother, God painted for me a sustaining vision, a vision of me whole, a vision of no shots, a vision of things the way God intended them to be. The book of Revelation provides just such a vision. It is the product of the marriage of hope and despair, of promise and of pain. It is a book, a dream, a vision, a poem, a letter written on all probability toward the end of the first century by a banished Jewish Christian leader named John who was in prison for his faith. The book of Revelation had confused Christians for centuries, much the same way that life itself confuses us. Was it written in code? What does it mean? To what do the symbols refer to? Is it a message about the past, the future, or the present? As early as 210 AD, leaders banned the public reading of this book because of its ability to create turmoil in the people who, as we all tend to do, sought to interpret the work slowly for their own context. William Barclay called it the playground of religious eccentrics. While much does remain unclear, the purpose of this book is very clear. 
It was written primarily to encourage and inspire particular Christians under Roman persecution to endure and remain faithful during the time of tribulation. Both the internal battles waged within a believer between personal faithfulness and the abandonment of faith and the external battles waged by a culture out of control, threatened by unenlightened leaders and pagan values. It was a time of turmoil and terror in which the promise of ease and safety long believed to be a result of faith could only be achieved by abandoning faith altogether or by living a maddening double life. People of every race and circumstance saw each other as their enemy. The only hope for unity seemed to be in the heavy-handed control of an out-of-touch government that was basing its value on greed, power, and the lack of visible conflict. It is into this context that John offers his vision of another way. It is a vision of hope. To understand Revelation for our day, we have to understand the nature of hope. You see, for Christians, hope is not a wish. It's not a tooth under a pillow or fingers crossed or just one more publisher's clearinghouse sweepstakes try. You see, hope for a Christian is an assurance, a firm and binding promise. It is a sure thing. Hope is not a feeling, it is a fact. It is a fact rooted in the reality of the resurrection of Jesus Christ and assured by the amazing, steadfast, unshakable love of God for God's people. God will not be shaken. Hope is independent of circumstances, and it will never be conquered by evil. Never. God will always win, even if it hurts, seem to be winning. The battle for God has already been won. Many of us read and heard this Easter story last week. Don't forget it. We know who came out on top. I am made aware of this time and time again at the Wesley Foundation. Many students come heavy laden with burden and with worry and with stress and doubt. Their faith is lacking and their, and their weary is at large. The Wesley Foundation is a place of rest. It truly is a place of comfort and of peace. Many students look at the Wesley as a refuge a place where they can come and know that all is well with the outside world because God is at the center. The NSU student body, I believe, understands that whatever battles are going on in their lives at the Wesley Foundation, they know God has won the battle, and they can be refueled and revived knowing they can face their obstacles head-on once again. Last spring, last fall, we put out these games all on the tables during lunch and we were putting them out to promote a game night that we started on Thursday nights that we were going to meet in the UC and play games and try to bring more people in and more kids in. Well it never took off. It never kicked off. We went two or three times I think and it just never happened. But I want you to know those games did. To this day the games are on the table and during lunch hour, those kids will put their phones down and play a card game 
with another person or two. In fact, once or twice when I've been cleaning off tables, they will come and get, they will say, hey, Shanna, come sit and play with me. And I'm thinking about the dirty dishes and I'm thinking about the stuff, but man, there's nothing better. So I set it all down and I go and I sit and I play. They put the technology away for a little bit of peace and quiet and relationship and home. Several years ago, I heard a story from a pastor friend who had had a friend who was traveling home to Denver, Colorado on a Sunday afternoon from a conference. And the conference had been a good one, and the man and the woman were driving home full of what they learned and talking about how they might use their new learning in their work situations. As they rounded a curve in the road, they came upon a serious motorcycle accident. And the motorcycle seemed to catch on something and flip into the air. The driver, without a helmet, was thrown 50 yards or so, and the bike landed not far away. The two were the first to arrive. The man was driving and pulled off the road just north of the accident. Before he shut off the ignition, the woman was out of the car and running to the side of the accident victim. The man stopped another car and sent the occupants for help while he began to try to direct traffic. At one point in the chaos, he glanced at the woman, and she was crouched down next to the unconscious young man, stroking his hair and talking to him. When the ambulance arrived and the young man was whisked away, the man and the woman got back into their car in silence. There was blood on the woman's hands, and there was blood around the hem of her skirt. After a moment of driving, the man said, I saw you talking to that young man. He was obviously unconscious. He may even have been dead. What could you possibly have been saying to him? She looked at him, and she said, I just told him over and over, she replied. I just told him over and over. The worst is over. The healing has already begun. To those long ago hurting ones to whom John wrote, to those long ago ones whose lives were marked by pain and by fear, by weakness and oppression and injustice and death, whose lives were marked by the terror of the now and haunted by the past and uncertain of the future, to those ones and to us, to you, God, through the words of Revelation, offers us a vision of brand new life. A life lived in a brand new order, in a brand new way. What God has to say in this letter is that no matter what comes against you in this life, no matter if all the power of pain and chaos of the universe seems to overtake you all at once, no matter if you can control one single thing or fix one single thing in your life, the worst is over. The healing has already begun. The healing has already begun. This is about God for us. The closing verse of our reading has Jesus famously declared that he is the Alpha 
and the omega, the A and the Z, the beginning and the end, the dawn of the world and its dusk. The book of Revelation is not about providing a road map to the end of days, but Revelation is fundamentally about the character of God. Revelation is a radical way to shape how we relate to God and one another today. Revelation is not about bold predictions about days yet to come. The book is about seeing the work of God in the seemingly ordinary, unremarkable moments that fill our lives. I want to leave you to carry with you in your heart this. Hope is alive. Hope is complete. Hope completes the healing has begun. Because you know what? Love is on the throne. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Amen. Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast. And we hope you connect with us at TahlequahUMC.org.